Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. This is Benjamin Richmond talking about the upcoming weather events over the next couple of weeks. It's been a while since we've done this podcast. We are back once again and back just in time for some weather situations that are beginning to evolve across parts of the Great Lakes region. As a matter of fact, with as this podcast is being recorded, there is a marginal risk for severe weather issued by the SBC for parts of Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio for Thursday. So you do have a marginal risk. It does show that it is only ma- it's really a, mainly a damaging wind risk from this event and pretty much the entirety of Ohio, Indiana, and then parts of southern Michigan are involved, but you could see thunderstorms as far north as um, Big Rapids, Flint, those areas in central Michigan as well. So it's really a interesting pattern that's being set up here for this particular event. We're going to talk about why that event um, is occurring. We do have a deepening low pressure system that is beginning to unfold um, across parts of Arkansas, Mississippi. They actually had a, a tornado watch that occurred across parts of that area and this low is deepening and lifting off to the northeast and it's going to be in in our area um, probably already in parts of Indiana um, this evening but it is going to really start to impact parts of the um, northern Indiana northern Ohio southern Michigan region by Thursday morning and if you get a sounding from the general area there is a lot of low-level wind shear with this particular event and then you've got strong winds aloft so you do have speed shear and directional shear Um, it's really not an effective setup for a tornado but it is an effective setup for damaging wind potential with these storms so that is why they're putting out a marginal risk but here's the thing with this setup it's really um, non-severe weather wind gusts will also be very present with this there's actually a high wind watch or high wind warning at this point now for parts of central Indiana, central Ohio, and then wind advisories up through parts of Michigan as well as that low continues to deepen. Um, interesting thing is we could we could possibly see a few um, instances of freezing rain and sleet across parts of central Michigan as well as this low list off to the north, but there is going to be a very quick burst of warm air with this, so um, temperatures in the 50s close to 60 in some spots is very likely before the cold front settles in and brings temperatures back down to near average for this time of the year. So this low is coming from the southwest at the current moment and is going to begin to impact the Great Lakes region later on um, tomorrow. And this will move through, progress off to the east, bring back some cooler air on the back side once again. And really, this kind of the setup is going to be part of the weather pattern over the next couple of days. I do see a very dynamic winter pattern or a dynamic pattern as you look in the upper levels, the 500 millibar level. So the level of the atmosphere where the air pressure is at 500 millibars. So up high in the atmosphere. Um, you do see the upper level air masses. Um, there is a series of changing ridges and troughs between parts of the Great Lakes region. So you do have some movement of air in the atmosphere that is going to be occurring, bringing instances of cooler air, warmer air. So we're going to see a lot of dynamic changes with the temperature where you really won't have a day that's um, not, there won't be really a day that looks exactly the same as the other. So it's really going to be a dramatic um, change up in regards to the weather situations. I do see some situations where we will likely see the resurgence of some of that Arctic air or that polar air that's going to be um, causing the potential for maybe some winter storms later on 
in as we get towards closer to the end of February, that's still something that we have to keep watch on that's going long range, so we want to wait to make a full determination on that. But by the time we get to um, February 28th or into March 1st or 2nd, I do see a burst of Arctic air potential near the end of February to early March that will likely bring some cooler air once again. So kind of a late season cold air blast. We've had those before. It's not really uncommon to have something like that this that late in the winter season. And then um, we're going to have to wait to see how things unfold. I am seeing a blocking pattern set up for parts of southern Alaska. We have that big high pressure mass in southern or just south of Alaska and then another air mass in parts of Greenland that is of high pressure that could cause the Arctic air to surge back down into the continental United States. So that's going to be something to watch. So according to the latest models, we do have some, first of all, um, the GFS model is tracking that low pressure system moving off to the north and to the northeast um, tomorrow through the entirety of the day, and then they'll move out by Friday. Friday and Friday is going to be kind of a cloudy day, dreary day across much of the Great Lakes region with temperatures just close to freezing. That's something that is likely going to be occurring. And then I do see um, there is going to be good potential for a good deal of sunshine um, on Saturday and Sunday across much of the Great Lakes region, parts of southern Indiana, southern Illinois, uh, think, or parts of southern Indiana, southern Ohio. I do think there's going to be some cloud cover down there as there will be a low off the coastline that's going to be dragging up with it some snow even as far east as Virginia and Maryland so some snow might actually be on the radar for your area again that's something that we still have to wait on to be sure of Valentine's Day um, we do have another low pressure system that seems to develop across um, the southwest of or southwest of the Great Lakes region and that is our next rainmaker potentially that could bring some rain to Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. Again, still going to be too warm to foster um, much snow from this event, but it is going to bring some wet weather to the area. And then what I do see in the longer range as we get to December 16th, got to wait for some model consistency, but the GFS does show um, February 16th, we do have a low pressure system that does appear to have some intensity to it. It's a deep low pressure system. You do have some pretty decent um, shear with this particular setup and it does show a convective line of storms stretching all the way from that peninsula even as far down south into parts of Alabama. It looks like a very intense system according to the long-range models so it's going to be something to watch and pay attention to and then behind that you have a surge of Arctic air according to what the GFS model is showing that will bring much cooler air to our area and that is likely going to foster our next setup for winter storms across parts of the Great Lakes region as we get into the latter half of February. So overall this next period of time is going to be relatively warmer than normal but it will still bring some precipitation that will be quite will make things quite wet. So that is what these current models are showing. Um, so just keep in mind that for today it's going to be very windy and then as we get farther out it looks like there's going to be a shot of warm air that's bouncing around between the upper 30s to um, mid 50s at some points and then we're going to start to see that Arctic air resurge it looks like in the latter half of February so we'll have to keep watch on that so here would be my forecast for the next week.
So Thursday, February 9th, um, quickly intensifying low from the south will bring some rain showers. And you could see a windy thunderstorm. Um, there's a marginal risk for severe weather, but it really won't amount to too much. Um, strong southwest winds will likely be up to even close to 60 miles per hour across parts of Indiana and Ohio, non-thunderstorm related. And yet you do have a high temperature of mid-50s, near 60 degrees in some spots, and then a low temperature that's going to cool things down, low of 33. So Friday, February 10th, cloudy, decreasing decreasing clouds after sunset, so probably won't really see too much sunshine. Um, it's going to be much cooler, high of 35. Saturday, mostly sunny. It's going to be absolutely beautiful on Saturday. A lot of sunshine, high of 39. Sunday is going to be even better. Sunshine and a high of 47, so you can actually go out and tolerate the temperature out there on Sunday. Monday, mostly cloudy, cloud cover returns, high of 45. Tuesday, partly cloudy, chance of rain showers after dusk, high of 49. And then Wednesday, rain likely, high of 50 degrees. So that's kind of the current weather update for this next period of time. Now I'm going to turn it over to some of the meteorology students who are going to talk about some of the different types of thunderstorms that we'll see in this upcoming spring season. Mesoscale convective systems. Mesoscale convective systems are essentially large groups of complex thunderstorm clouds, much larger than a regular thunderstorm. These are typically associated with low pressure systems. They are almost always more dangerous than regular thunderstorms, considering um, how much larger they are than regular thunderstorms. These last for several hours. Typically, we see these in the Midwest and Central Plains. Mesoscale convective systems supply much of the rain to that region. How are these formed? Mesoscale convective systems are formed through a process called upscale growth. This is where rain-cooled air from many storms combines to form one large, cool air mass. And this large, cool air mass spreads along the ground and acts as a mini cold front. Mesoscale convective systems may contain other weather systems, including, but not limited to, squall lines, lake effect snows, polar, uh, polar lows, and tropical cyclones. Mesoscale convective systems are very large thunderstorms, but are still larger than extratropical uh, cyclones. These very commonly bring um, some damages some of the typical hazards brought on by mesoscale convective systems are heavy rains, hail, and thunderstorms. Weather concepts, uh, a thunderstorm derecho. A derecho is a widespread, long-lived windstorm that is associated with a band of rapidly moving showers or thunderstorms. A derecho is like a tornado but its damage is usually put in a straight line. The derecho tends to come in to come in the summer around the Ohio Valley region. The derecho's development is usually attached to a bow echo. A bow echo usually comes from a group of thunderstorms, but then transitions in a line of storms. The bow echo creates a downdraft, which in turn causes cool rain. The cool rain strengthens the cool pool, strengthening the storm. The conditions caused by the rain make the storm into an almost stable storm. This allows the storm to last much longer and travel much further. The line of storms continue to accelerate, forming one strong line or multiple small lines in a close group. 
70% of all derechos uh, come between May and August, with 63% of them being from May to July. The typical hazards of a derecho or destruction uh, similar to that of a tornado, but in a straight line or straighter line. Uh, the strength of a derecho is its wind damage swath extends more than 240 miles and has wind gusts of at least 58 miles per hour or greater along most of the length of the storm's path. The strongest derecho was the Corn Belt derecho. It made hail as big as 2.5 inches and made 20 tornadoes as a byproduct, with the strongest tornadoes being rated F2. Recent ones are one that we saw on August 10th and 2020, and one that was seen December 15th, 2021. And the one in 2021 was a serial derecho, and the one in 2020 was a progressive derecho, and they both caused over a billion dollars in damage. Jeffrey, and today we'll be talking about certain kinds of weather phenomena that happen around the world, and I'll be talking about squall lines. Squall lines are areas of active thunderstorms that usually span several hundred miles and can be up to 60 miles wide. Squall lines typically form along cold front boundaries in the spring and fall, but can also form along warm front boundaries and outflow boundaries from thunderstorms. They're called squall lines because they usually produce the line of severe thunder thunderstorms. Uh, they're found near a cyclone, which is an area of low pressure in the atmosphere. The cyclone helps to lift air upwards, which then cools and condenses into thunderstorms. The squall line forms along the leading edge of the cold front associated with the cyclone. As squall lines move across the landscape, they can produce high winds, heavy rain, hail, and tornadoes. Therefore, it is important to be aware of squall lines and know how to stay safe if you find yourself in one. Uh, squall lines usually have very high winds upwards of 70 miles an hour and can uncommonly produce tornadoes. The most dangerous thing about them is that they can last for hours and move relatively slow so it downpours a lot in a single area. Uh, one of the most significant squall lines we had was back in December of 2021 in Iowa, and that squall line caused roughly over $1 billion in damages and spawned 63 tornadoes in the area. Hello, my name is Ethan Risingo with the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Today, I will be going over um, a type of thunderstorm called multi-cell storms. And uh, this is going to be a little bit shorter than my normal uh, podcast regarding uh, places to visit in the Great Lakes region. Um, you should go check those out. They're on our uh, podcast website. And uh, so here we go. The uh, A multicellular thunderstorm is a storm that is composed of multiple cells. Uh, cells would be uh, an air mass that contains up and down drafts and convective loops and that moves and reacts as a single entity. Um, these uh, are Each of these cells are at a different stage in their life cycle, and um, the, the structure usually appears as several an, like anvil shapes clustered together. Uh, how these form is, uh, if relatively isolated uh, thunderstorms develop with more moderate vertical wind shear, they tend to become uh, these multi-cells. Uh, there are two different types of multicellular storms, <clears throat> the first being a cluster and the second being a uh, line storm. Uh, the, how the cluster 
looks is uh, it consists of a group of cells moving as a single unit with each cell in a different stage of the life cycle, which we kind of touched on at the beginning uh, in the original definition. Um, <clears throat> the second type of this is the line storm, or commonly called as a uh, squall line. And this consists of a long line of storms with a continuous, well-developed gust front at the leading edge of the line. Uh, the line of storms can be solid, or there can be gaps and breaks in the line. So uh, those are multicellular storms, and I will talk to you next time on the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Hello. I hope you all having a good day. Today we're going to be talking about the supercell, nicknamed the long-lived. Um, it forms uh, from some degree of buoyancy, moderate to strong speed in directional wind shear between the surface and about 20,000 feet as needed to form. It is highly organized, is a highly organized storm, feeding off of, off of a updraft, a rising current of air that is tilted and rotating. It, you know, a regular supercell usually has several distinct characteristics on the radio, including the hook, the hook echo, uh, areas of enhanced reflectivity, and a bounded weak echo region. They are they uh winds winds of supercells can usually exceed uh, forty meters per second. Um, some of the common hazards uh of a supercell are damaging wind winds and large hail. They're they they typically form in like the cool se- cool season. So it's not something like that's gonna be happening like during the winter like right now. But it's something to look out in the spring and that kind of time of year. Um some recent history about it is that um uh in November, I believe, in the southeast, a lot of the southeast like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, I believe some Tennessee, Kentucky, those kind of places and I believe Indiana may have been hit a little bit too by it, but there's a long trail of these supercells going through there and left millions without power. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe there's many deaths. I mean, there may be a couple, but not too many, though, to be worried about it. But, um, yeah, I, these things, you, we have to watch out for them because they can be very, very, very destructive if we're not taking the right precautions to a storm like taking shelter and I believe also that tornadoes were produced out of this too so again if you, there's a t- tornado you know get it to uh, the best underground if your basement is awesome something like that just to keep you safe and um, I believe that's, that's wrapped up for today and thank you for listening Hello, everyone, and thanks again for listening to the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Be sure to stay updated by checking out our YouTube channel and all of our social platforms. We are available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we are also now available on Rumble. You can also visit our website that is attached to the podcast description to get more updates about the weather. Hopefully, you found this information helpful. If you would like to leave feedback on the podcast, you are welcome to do so by also visiting our website and checking out the podcast tab. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next time. Thank you.